As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Calling All Creatures. I'm your host, Lori. I'm sure most of you know that by now, that listen to me every other Thursday. And tonight, our show is about feral cat, trap, neuter, return, and how it all works. And I have Alex from Tucson Feral Trap, Neuter, Return, a TNR Advocates Organization, on with me tonight. And she is hopefully going to give us a bit more information about Trap, Neuter, Return, how it works, and hopefully answer some questions uh, any of you might have about this type of program and also how to hopefully get it started. So I'm going to go ahead and let Alex tell us a little bit about herself and the organization and how they all got started uh, being educators and advocates. Alex, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Alex. Um, I got started in TNR because when I was a teenager and I finally moved out on my own, I moved into an area and immediately saw outdoor cats. Um, I didn't know what to do for them, and I had actually never seen an unsocialized cat before, so I was sort of enthralled that there was an animal that wasn't going to be friendly with me because I had grown up around animals and was always all over them, as as most kids inappropriately are, Um, and realized, unbeknownst to me, that I was living in a neighborhood that had a pilot TNR program going on. Uh, So my neighbor told me about that. They told me about Alley Cat Allies. And so I learned about Trap Neuter Return instead of painstakingly spending every night in my backyard waiting to socialize the adult ferals that were there so that I could get them to the vet um, and get them sterilized on my, my very meager income. I didn't know about any of the resources in town. So anyway, we... My neighbor and I went to an Alley Cat Allies conference. I learned all about Trap Neuter Return when I was about 20 years old and then started doing it on my own. At the time, the Internet wasn't exactly readily available. Um, You had to have a computer. You had to have certain things that I just didn't have at that time, going to college and and working two jobs. I didn't have the, the financial. 
financial resources to tap into um, computer resources. So I would be on the computer lab in the computer lab rather at at college and trying to find resources for the cats, and, and it just wasn't publicly acknowledged at that time. So I was basically begging veterinarians to help me sterilize these cats that I was coming into contact with. Um, later, uh, many years later, I ran into an organization that was starting a community-wide trap neuter return program. They had just bought a very large bank of traps for the community, and I got in on that um, at the very beginning and was incredibly excited um, because I went from having one or two have a heart to all of a sudden having access to a whole bunch of really awesome true catch traps and just could not wait to tell the community that this resource was available and that we even had funding for the spay-neuter surgeries because I thought people would just jump all over that. Um, decades later, I'm still trying to get people to jump all over that. Um, the message has not gotten out quite as quickly as I had wanted it to. Um, there's been some resistance that I did not expect um, from the community. And it's been quite a lot of work trying to get people to get on board with it. We are really fortunate um, in Pima County that Best Friends came in, started up a program um, after the one that I, I mentioned earlier. They started an even larger program. We got even more funding for sterilization and vaccination services, and even a little bit of money for medical needs of community cats, which was not existent before. We were we were begging for money for that. Um, and then the municipal shelter took it over. Um, the transition was not that smooth, and they still haven't fully come up to the capacity that they were at when the Tucson was out and Best Friends was here. And they've eliminated some of the services that Best Friends was providing and that even PAC was providing before before the pandemic, um, and I'm not sure if those services are ever coming back or the full funding is ever coming back, so that's something that we've been struggling with here. My little organization is not, even not we're not even a 501c3. We, I didn't, I didn't want to spend the money um, on going through all that because every little cent that I get goes to the animals, it goes to medical needs, um, mostly for cats that are coming in that are compromised. And I don't want anybody to get the idea that, you know, community cats are sickly. For the most part, they're not. But the ones that are tend to have certain issues that require some medical expenses um, that there's just not enough funding for, like stomatitis. um, And our group tries to to focus on helping those types of cats and, and looting out traps. Um, as most basic focus. So I just never tried to get a 501c3 going because I wanted to spend my time focusing on getting traps out there, doing trap neuter return, and getting medical needs met for cats. And since our group never really evolved to very many people, it's mostly been myself with some volunteers that come and go. Um, that's mostly been my, my focus. 
Awesome. Well, I'm glad that you, you know, at least have been trying to help out the feral cat colonies there in Tucson. So it sounds like it's been quite a chore, though. Um, so um, we'll, I'll come back to this because uh, I, I want to touch on, you know, why at some point during our conversation and why there's resistance that you meet to this program and stuff like that. Um, I also want to uh, touch on Ellicat allies, but uh, before we touch on Ellicat, let's uh, talk a little bit about what TNR is and how it actually works so people can kind of understand it a little bit more. Yeah, so at its most basic, um, TNR stands for Trap, Neuter, Return. So say you see some cats show up in your yard, and usually what happens is people start feeding them, they feel bad for them, but if you don't sterilize them, then they start multiplying, and then you go from feeding a few cats to feeding many cats, um, which isn't good for you as a community because you're spending more and more money on food, and neighbors start complaining, but also it's not good for the cats. Cats engage in territorial behaviors that can put them at disadvantage with their health. So, trap neuter returns means you take a humane trap, you set them out, you trap the cat, you take them to a participating vet, they get sterilized and usually vaccinated, and then they get returned to the exact location that you trapped them in and let go. You continue to watch over them, continue to manage them. Um, you don't just ignore them after that. Continue feeding them, watching for newcomers, make sure they get trapped, um, and then if any socialized cats come along, you want to make sure that they're not microchipped. If they are, great. You turn them back with their their microchip holder, their owner. Um, and if not, then you find them a home. If kittens show up, you try and grab them when they're young enough and socialize them if you're able to and find those guys home. Sterilize the mom uh, so that there's not population growth going forward. So it stabilizes the population. We do that instead of old school catch and kill um, because A, it's, it's more humane to do it this way, but also it's more effective. There's something called the vacuum effect that occurs when you remove cats from any any area. Cats aren't in an area unless there are resources, meaning some place to shelter and eat. There's got to be food there and, and it's not necessarily a person that's putting food out. It may be well, I mean, it is people ultimately, but it may not be somebody purposefully feeding. They may be um, putting food out for their own cat, or there may just be a dumpster there, but there are resources. So if you take cats away, um, new cats will show up, and that's just how it, it works, and that's why Catch and Kill has never been successful in any area. Trap, neuter, return has been proven successful um, with some research studies that have been done over the long term. And so at its most basic, that's what CNR is. All righty. And I forgot, I was going to apologize if anybody heard my dogs barking. Anybody that listens know I have dogs, and every once in a while, the dog's next door or something will happen, and they bark. So I'm sorry if anybody heard them. Um, <laughs> uh, they just like to say they're here. Um, so you uh, touched on, we'll, we'll touch on this real quick. What type of research has been done to support Trap Neuter Return? Uh, so most of the studies that have been done um, started in the early 2000s uh, and then have, have continued on. The initial studies, of course, were short-term studies um, that showed that there was promise that populations of community cats would 
be reduced over the long term. The more recent studies excuse me, have definitely shown that there are decreases in populations of cats when managed trap neuter return with an emphasis on adopting out friendlies is conducted. Um, Allies has an entire page on their website of studies. Um, Animalsheltering.org has an entire page on their website about studies. Quanalytics uh, has several studies on their website, and they all show that community cat population decline over the long term if it's done if trap return is done properly. Um, there's also been some studies with municipal shelters that show that their their intake numbers are impacted as well over the long term. This isn't something that, unfortunately, you see an immediate effect from. I mean, you, you do, like, at your house, you see fewer cats, but the community as a whole doesn't see an immediate effect um, with a municipal trap neuter return program or even you know, a large private trap neuter return program until it's been done for many years. Hmm. So it's, it's an investment, but it's definitely effective and it's worth it. Yeah, I actually, since I did animal control for a number of years, I actually read a few of the studies back when it was, you know, first kind of starting in the bigger cities and stuff. So I read a few of the uh, beginning research things that came out about how effective it was in, like, the bigger cities and stuff. Um, Phoenix, Phoenix, Tucson, you know, and in other states, the bigger cities as well. So um, there are benefits to it, and um, that's why I read, you know, like you said, just taking those cats out of there and killing them, they just bring in new cats. So Exactly. Um, yeah. And as not always... Not Oh, go ahead. Not a very ethical thing to be doing. Right, right, right. Um, and always, I'll post links up uh, for uh, Alley Cat Allies and the other organization and um, also to Feral Trap Neuter Return, uh, Alex's organization, on my Facebook page. So... You guys can find links to those there, too. Um, so you've mentioned Allies a couple different times. So can you kind of explain to everybody out there uh, who Allies are and what they kind of do? Uh, well, they, as far as my knowledge, are the first national organization to promote trap neuter return and advocate for community cats. Um, like I said, when I was eight, probably 20 years old, I went to um, a, a workshop, basically, that they held over a couple of days in New Orleans, and people from all over the country came there. There were people from animal shelters, or people, private citizens, there were people um, in municipal animal control, and they were all there to learn about community cats, not just how to control their populations, but to really learn about the nature of community cats and how they how they behave, um, health factors that are involved with them, um, and why they're there. Cool. So, Ali Cat Allies has a wealth of research and knowledge and instructive resources on their website, which I often turn to. They have um, resources from every for every type of person, from somebody who has some cats in their yard that they want to help out to shelters on how to get um, a municipal program going. They have instructions 
instructions for veterinarians on how to do high volume trap, um, trap neuter return services um, from a surgical side. They're, they're a really great resource and I am extremely grateful that, that they exist. Yeah, I heard about their organization um, several years back, so um, I knew they kind of helped out with the uh, trap neuter return and then had a lot of information on their site. So. Um, they are a wealth of information for anybody that's interested in trying to get a trap neuter return program going. Um, yeah, and they they will actually there is some mentoring that they will do as well. They they've got some resources for that. Um, they and they do other things. They go into disaster areas and, and help out with with community with not just community cats but with cats in general. But I mean they they're doing something that I have not seen another program do as far as community cats go. Right, which is really cool. It's it's good that a big or, a bigger organization like that can help out, you know, because there's not a lot of them out there that do. So yeah. So, um, what are some of the benefits to trap neuter return? Um, besides, like you had already mentioned, um, I guess the biggest one would be that you don't always have just a bunch of new cats coming into that area. But what would be some of the other benefits? So there, there are actually multiple benefits to that. Um, so looking at the cat standpoint, they are not going to be engaging in hormonal-driven behaviors. So the males, for instance, aren't going to be fighting from testosterone-driven behavior, um, which can lead to infections from wounds, disease transmission, etc. Um, the females are not going to constantly be pregnant hydrated from nursing and malnourished from having baby after baby after baby with maybe not the ideal nutrition for that. Um, the neighbors, neighborhood is going to benefit because they are not going to have the pungent odor of cat spray everywhere because again, those hormonal driven behaviors will drastically be reduced if not completely subside in most cats. The other thing, which is not a, a direct benefit, but but is part of the TNR process, is that once you get involved with this, you, you really need to get in touch with your community and talk to them about what's going on. So they are not only aware of the fact that there is a solution to this problem, to this issue, but when somebody starts Cleaning, they know they can go talk to Sally next door who feeds the cats and has TNR'd all over cats about their garden being full of poop. And Sally can go, okay, I know some deterrent that we can use. I didn't know that was going on. And even though I don't own these cats, you know, I certainly want to make sure that the, the neighborhood is peaceful and I don't want you upset that they exist. So let's work on Let's work on getting you some deterrence for your garden. Those types of things. So once you become aware of community cats and and how they live and the whole trap neuter return process, it's not just taking them to the vet and bringing them home and then you're done. It's really an ongoing management issue uh, where you want to keep everybody happy, including the cats and the people. Right, so there's actually quite a few benefits to trap new to return. There was a few there that I didn't know about, so um, hopefully that'll 
help out to convince some people that it is a good thing to do. So with that being said, with the benefits that are there, why do you think there's so much resistance to doing that type of program? Um, speaking from personal experience, the cats tend to be more densely populated in areas of lower income. Those people tend to not have as much access, and when I say those people, I'm I'm one of them. (laughs) (laughs) There there doesn't doesn't tend to be as much access to transportation, Um, so if you've got to be at work at 8 o'clock in the morning, and the clinic doesn't accept the cats until 9 a.m., and they're only open Monday through Friday, well, then what are you going to do? So transportation is a big contributing factor to more people not doing this. Um, We have begged for volunteers over the years just to simply transport the cats to and from the vet clinics um, because now in our area, in our county, there is no clinic that operates on Saturdays or Sundays. It's only Monday through Friday that there are uh, that there are sterilization resources, and so if you work, you know, a, a job from from nine to five, then you can't you simply can't be at the clinic. Uh, a lot of folks where there are really dense populations of community cats um, in in the very lower end of the socioeconomic spectrum have their own problems going on in life and really can't extend themselves to a project that involves something that they may be emotionally um, affected by. A lot of people get really close to the the cats and they don't want to... They, they don't see it. They don't see the benefits because they haven't been doing it. They just see that it's going to be stress. They think it's going to be stressful for the cat, so they don't. They don't want to do it, or it's going to be stressful for them, so they don't want to do it. Um, so, getting volunteers to actually do the the trap neuter return for people who either don't have transportation, or who are disabled, or who effectively can't do it themselves for whatever reason. Um, that's a, a huge need that has not been met in the entire time that that I've you know that I've been doing this in in our city, in our county. Um, and as I said, PAC has eliminated their their paid staff that were doing that. So I'm not sure that that's ever even going to come back. So we're my little group um, is again back to begging volunteers to go out and, and trap for people who can't do it themselves. Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know why why people, more able-bodied people who have the time to do this are not doing it. I don't know if they don't know that the services exist. Um, I mean, I certainly get phone calls from people who say that they don't know that, that we've got these services, which just astounds me because we have probably more services than most municipalities do. There are very few municipalities that you can have a, a community cat completely cover, uh, taking care of the sterilization and the vaccination for no no cost to you whatsoever. Most of the time, you have to pay something, um, or there's got to be some kind of funding that you, you or your neighbors come up with. We are extremely lucky that that it's free. Um, we can even have minor minor wounds and injuries on parasites, minor wounds, things like that. 
taken care of at no cost to the public, which is almost non-existent anywhere else. So I don't know why more people aren't taking advantage of this. I, I know that the funding generally runs out, so they, they are, there are, there's a certain amount of funding for a certain amount of surgeries, and those surgeries are all being done, but there's still a huge need, and there's still people calling and, and complaining that there's all these cats, and they don't know what to do, so there's still clearly a large part of the population in our municipality that doesn't know what trap to return is, or that we have these programs. Um, but definitely transportation is, is a big issue for many, many people. Hmm. Well... Yeah, that would make sense about why more people don't do it, because if they don't have a way to get them in to get the surgeries done, yeah, that would make sense. Um, so, talking about that, then, where does uh, trap, neuter, return work the best? What type of demographic or area uh, does does the trap, neuter, return kind of work the best in? Oh, it works great everywhere. Um, you just have to have a program set up that is holistic, that that engages the community so that you have those people who are volunteering to help. You've got municipalities that are endorsing it and preferably helping fund it. Um, and then you've got you know, your general public who are on board with it and will do it instead of trying to do something that's perhaps illegal to manage the cap in a way that they would prefer instead of doing traffic to return. Mm-hmm. There, there is some misinformation out there um, that I don't really want to go into um, about about trap neuter return um, but it's easily debunked with science okay um, fair enough uh, I guess if anybody's interested they can probably look it up um, uh, cause we were talking a little bit before you know we went on the air here to start talking and I was mentioning that, you know, we have a couple smaller, I guess, colonies here in the county where I'm at and uh, in Cochise County here. And not a whole lot that I know of going on even in like Sierra Vista, which is my nearer city. So it's, I guess it's, uh, as you said, it's just a point of not really having the resources here for us to take advantage of doing that kind of program. So, um, Right. We get calls from Nogales. Our side of Nogales, we get calls from Benson, we get calls from Sierra Vista, um, we get calls from, from a lot of the municipalities that are that are south of us, closer to where you are, um, asking us, you know, because they, they found out about trap to return somehow, and that's what they want to do to help the cats, and they don't have the resources, so often they're having to drive to Green Valley um, for the nearest participating veterinarian which is just not realistic for most people. Well, and you know, I... It's a very, very long drive. Yeah, exactly. That is a long drive. And it's funny you say something about that because um, I have a friend that I uh, have known for years. She used to volunteer at the shelter with me when I worked there. And um, she, they have a lot of feral cats in her neighborhood. And she literally will catch them and you know get them uh fixed with her own money out of her own pocket and she was trying to set something up for like a trap neuter return kind of thing and we have a couple mobile vets here 
and uh, she was talking with one to see about having him come set up, you know, like on her driveway, he'd have access to, the, you know, her power and stuff like that. But the city of Benson wanted him to get a business license to set up right. over there to do the spade neuter return. And I, you know, it was, you know, more money than what I guess he wanted to pay to do that. So he, he wouldn't come over there to, or he maybe, I think he might've come over for like a little bit of time or something like that. But anyway, yeah. So it was a big thing about trying to even get a mobile clinic to come over there because of that. Yeah. So that's a big impediment, um, to, to getting some of these, some of these smaller or more rural municipalities, veterinary services for, you know, high volume veterinary services is the, the licensing that's involved. Um, I mean, the veterinarians want it. They're trying to do the right thing. I know also that charities go into a lot of places that are rural, um, and I know that I've heard them complaining that they've had difficulties with um, with just setting up in certain areas because of the regulations that exist. Um, so, yeah, the, it could be a mobile vet. It could be like a mass unit where they take... Um, a facility and turn it into a clinic for a temporary period of time, say two or three days, and just try and, and get as many cats done as possible. Right. Um, so those are, there, are, there are plenty of ways to do it, but yeah, definitely the municipalities have to be on board with it and recognize the benefits from it. So really have somebody advocating that, that knows what they're talking about and who will be listened to so that these municipalities can can benefit from the services that the veterinarians are trying to offer when they're available. Right, because there's one gentleman that's over there in Benson that had, and people probably, anybody from Benson that's listening is going to know exactly who it is, but he has, like, this huge colony of cats over there, and they just keep reproducing every year because, yeah, he hasn't gotten them fixed, and these are the cats that my friend has been trying to catch and get, you know, litters of kittens every year, and every year out of her own pocket, she's trying to take care of this, and it's it's just crazy, and then she has now a group of friends, and they all have been trying to help her out and doing GoFundMes and contributing and stuff, but right. um, it'll never end because she can't get the adults trapped, you know, and get them fixed, so yeah, it's a no-win situation when you can't get the help and have the resources to do it, unfortunately. Yeah, you, you really need to find a veterinarian that will make arrangements with you for discounting. Hey, if you can guarantee a certain number of cats, then, you know, we'll discount your rate to such and such a price so that it, it can be done in, in volume because there's not there's not a group of citizens that, that have the resources to fund full, full fee. They neuter and vaccination for 50 plus cats. Well, yeah, so exactly. There's got to be some cooperation between both the veterinarian and the municipality so that so that the financial reality of it is realistic and achievable. Right. And, you know, maybe that's the thing that, uh, you know, if, she's, if anybody over there is interested in doing it, maybe they should see if they could get a meeting between themselves and... Um, the mayor or whoever in city council would need to be there and the veterinarian to see if they could get something set up between all three of them to do something like that. It might be beneficial. For yeah, them. definitely. Yep. Yeah, if you, can, if you can present your municipality um, or shelter with the evidence that this works, and there's plenty of it now. There, there wasn't much when we first started doing it in the early 2000s, but there's plenty of evidence that it works. 
in a variety of settings. Um, anywhere from, you know, someone's backyard to university campus to, to shelter settings, there's evidence that it does work. It does reduce populations of cats, and that's the basic overarching goal for everybody, even that, that don't like the cats, is to reduce the population. Um, and that's the most effective way to do it. So until until it's wide, uh, widespread practice, we're going to continue to have large numbers of community cats out there. Right, exactly. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about the cat colonies. Uh, how many cats can you actually have in a colony to keep it manageable, say if there's only maybe one or two people managing the colony? What would be the best size per person for a cat colony? Uh, that, that unfortunately is not a one-size-fits-all answer. Um, it's extremely variable because if you've got two young, able-bodied people who have cars, and to have the ability to go back and forth to the vet, they can handle, you know, a high number of, of cats managing them, especially if they're, they're very attentive. They can CNR everybody, and then they can watch for new, newcomers. They can monitor to see if somebody is having health issues. Uh, so that scenario is very different from, you know, say an older woman who doesn't have a car and who has difficulty in moving around and you know she's got this spring of eternal (laughs) eternal spring of cats that's coming from beneath her her mobile home um so it's it's very it just it varies from from situation to situation so you you have to take each situation as it comes to you and problem solve it um based on the actuality of the situation because you're, you're never going to be able to change the situation to suit an ideal because ideally there would be no community cast. Everybody would be socialized and, and have a home, but that's not reality. So we try and, you know, take each call and look at that situation and say, okay, in your specific instance, this is what needs to best happen in order to take care of all of the issues. Well, it's fair enough. I just wasn't sure if, if, you know, like some things you can kind of tell, you know, it's one person per however many or whatever, something like that. So I wasn't sure. Yeah, so. it's, it's just too highly variable depending on, depending on the circumstances of the, the neighborhood, the cats, people, resources, all of that. Okay. So what are the responsibilities of a cat colony manager? What all uh, uh, types of things do they have to do when they have cat count? I can't talk now, when they have cat colonies that they uh, take care of? So ideally, uh, the very first thing that would happen is that everybody gets sterilized. And I mean everybody, even even that Tom that only shows up once or twice a week. Everyone gets sterilized. And then as any newcomers show up, you are definitely aware of them and paying close enough attention to who is there that you know when there's a newcomer and you get them sterilized. Um, you're, you're watching for signs that there may be a health problem. If a cat stops eating, stops grooming themselves, they get veterinary care, which, again, we are extremely lucky to have access to in our municipality. Um, and those are the basics. Uh, and then, two, you want to make sure that the surroundings 
aren't are taken care of. Meaning, if they have complaints, those complaints are addressed. So again, uh, things like outdoor litter boxes, which may sound like a wacky idea, but really are pretty easily doable, um, can be set up. There can be humane deterrent placed around gardens. Um, you know, people have even bought car covers for someone complaining about cats getting on their car. But trying to trying to keep the peace and realizing that even though you don't own the cat and you didn't create the situation, that you're the one who cares enough to take care of them, and so therefore you kind of have to act as an arbiter to complaints in the neighborhood as well. Right, right. So if you are thinking about trying to do a cat colony, you have to be kind of prepared to take care of all those different things, since they yeah, you have to just, just approach it holistically and not not just think that you can get everybody sterilized and then it's over. Right, right, because that's what I think some people think is they can just get them fixed and then it's it's a good thing and they're done and it's like, no, you, you know, you're feeding them and watering them and, uh, you know, taking them to the vet if need be for whatever might be wrong. Um, so and watching for newcomers is, is a big, big, big thing. Uh, most of the time, once a colony is completely sterilized, they, they keep most newcomers out, but there will be one or two cats that, that show up, and with attrition, you know, as cats get older and die, um, maybe a new a new kitty shows up and takes that, that kitty's place, and um, you've got to make sure that they're sterilized too, or maybe a stray wanders by and shows up and that somebody left behind when they moved, and, and you notice that they're a little bit friendlier than the others, and so you go find out if they're microchipped or who they belong to, and you rehome them. That, that type of thing to keep the population in check. Right, right, exactly. Because a lot of people do throw cats out when they move or whatever. They don't understand that. Um, yeah, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of transient population in our particular area um, with college students and just the, the nature of Tucson is that there's a lot of people that come and go and unfortunately they do leave their cats I don't know why but they, they do leave their cats when they leave Either they, they think that they can't take care of them anymore or they're just irresponsible people and those cats tend to be the ones that show up in colonies not looking so great because they're not used to being outside having to fend for themselves because most community cats that um, were born and lived in colonies their entire lives, they're relatively good-looking, healthy, because that's the environment they were born into. You know, their their genetics were were um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, more prone to that type of lifestyle. I, well, not more prone to that type of lifestyle, but they they tend to have a hardier hardier genetic build because. You know, if you are are sickly and you're living outside, then those are the types of cats that tend to get predated upon or, or die. So the ones that, that continue to, to live and, and breed are the ones that have a, a more hardy genetic makeup. So if you've got some some prissy little Persian that, that some older lady had and, and she passed away and, and her children decide they don't want to take care of the cat and they just let outside, that's the one that you're going to that, that looks like they're all matted up and not doing real well. Right, exactly. For the most part. Yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, 
So, just real quick, because you had mentioned it a little bit earlier, um, for the feral cat colonies and not saying that they're disease-ridden, but what types of diseases do you guys generally see with the feral cats? Um, You had mentioned stomatitis. Uh, What is stomatitis? So they're not they're not zoonotic diseases. I, I want to make that clear. They're not something that that's transmissible to humans. The rabies incidence is extremely so extremely low. It's, it's not even worth mentioning um, in cats. And if you want, I I can certainly provide citations for that. Um, but what we do see a lot of in cats is is stomatitis, um, which is an immune system response in the mouth. So the mucosa around the mouth, not just around the teeth, but it can extend all the way into the throat, gets swollen to varying degrees, and so the body is actually reacting to the bacteria that grow on the teeth. Um, There's an immune response to that, and and the inflammation that occurs as a result can be quite severe and keep cats from being able to eat and groom themselves. So if you have a, a feral cat truly feral cat, not just, you know, a, a semi-friendly community cat, but if you've got a truly feral cat that does not want anything to do with humans that gets stomatitis, there are, A, very few vets that will perform the dental procedure necessary because the treatment for that is that all their teeth get taken out. Um, and then you've got to find somebody who's adept at recovering a feral cat, and there's not that many of us in our community that are willing to or able to do that. Um, so that's been a big issue, and, and us just be, being able to get um, access to dental care for these cats has been extremely difficult because that's definitely not something that's covered under the community cat program because it, it can be quite costly. Um, and then upper respiratory infections, um, herpes virus is something that's sort of ubiquitous with outdoor cats. Uh, it presents the cold in cats. They get runny nose, runny eyes. They get kind of a, a reddish brown discharge from their eyes and kind of snotty nose Um, generally that happens when there's stress going on so colonies that have not been sterilized where there's a lot of territorial fighting going on um, those cats tend to be more stressed and that can trigger herpes virus outbreaks or flare-ups rather just like it does in humans Um, fortunately there's something we can do about that is a sterilize everyone so the hormonal behaviors aren't occurring and the colony isn't so stressed out Um, but a lot of times too we can get L-lysine which is simply an amino acid which is available at grocery store, health food store a lot of times, not always but a lot of times that will help suppress that that virus so it will save off um, further infections but in small kittens where that virus is kind of going through the colony, um, it can be very badly damaging for their eyes uh, to the point that sometimes the eyes need to be removed. And this isn't something that's that's super widespread, but during the summer when the height of mating season is occurring and there's a lot of stress going on, that's usually when we we start getting calls about calling these cats with with runny noses and, and eye discharge. And so one of the things that we try and do is really strongly encourage people to conduct trap neuter return, not during the summer, but during the fall 
during our, our mild winter that we have here in, our, in southern Arizona and spring, the early spring, so that when mating season really gets into full force in late spring, summer, that you're not having all these kittens everywhere and all this stress from, from the mating rituals that go on from the hormonal-driven behaviors. So you don't have a bunch of, of cats that are suffering. Right, right. Well, you know, and that would make sense to, you know, trap them at the times that you were just talking about because, yeah, you want to try to get them before they produce a whole bunch of kittens. The the ideal time. Um, And, and again, I don't want to put forth the the idea that that feral cats or community cats are suffering um, because, for the most part, they're not. They they do just fine who they are. Um, They are very hardy survivors, or we would not. There wouldn't be so many of them. Um, and they are pretty healthy for the most part. But there's a lot of stress that goes on during the summer. And the easy way to avoid that and keep them healthy is to concentrate on trap, neuter, return during the time of the year that the temperature is more climate, uh, temperate. And, you know, it's not 112 degrees every day. And um, the cats aren't mating quite as much. Um, our weather is so fair year-round that they, they are breeding year-round, but it's, it's more concentrated in the, in the late spring, summer. Right. And most people will wait until they start seeing litters of kittens being born in their yard before they do anything about the adult cats that they've noticed in their yard for the last year. <laughs> so we really try and encourage people over the fall and the winter and the earlier part of spring to really focus their efforts on Exactly. Yeah, that's just it. You know, you need to get the mom in there and, and get that get her fixed and the toms too. I know because I've ran into so many different people over the years that thought they should get either the toms fixed or get the mom or the females fixed or, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, you got to get both fixed. <laughs> right. Yeah, because the male can go on to impregnate, you know, dozens of cats. And, of course, mom, mom can pregnant all year round basically where we're at right exactly yeah because a lot of people don't realize that here in arizona because we do have the milder winters and stuff that these cats and and dogs too are breeding a good part of the year because we don't really have a winter winter here like uh back east and and stuff there's some trap neuter return of dogs that goes on um in some of the more rural areas as well like there's higher populations of, of feral dogs I yeah. don't, I'm not involved in that. I really don't know um, I would, a lot about those programs. 
Yeah, I'm not either, but uh, I would imagine maybe like on the Indian reservation a little bit more. Because yeah, no, they... I, it does. Yeah, they, they definitely do um, do some work um, on several of their reservations with Trevor to return. And it's it's gaining more um, more acceptance with the dogs as well, in, even in, in urban areas. Right. In some municipalities. Hmm. Interesting. So, um, yeah, it's got to be approached holistically. So the the individual that's seeing the cat needs to know about trap neuter return. The shelters need to know about trap neuter return. The rescues need to know about trap neuter return. The municipalities need to know about trap neuter return. Everybody's got to know about it. For instance, if somebody walks into a veterinary clinic and says, "Hey, I've I've got these cats that I think are feral. They won't let me touch them." know if I trap them will you fix them and and the veterinarian says no we don't do that if they don't then refer them to a resource that does then those cats might never be sterilized right exactly if if the person calls a shelter and says hey you know there's these cats in my backyard I don't want them there Uh, they're not they're not they won't let me touch them can I trap them and bring them to you and they say no we don't take feral cats and that's the end of the discussion those cats may not be sterilized. So that trap neuter return needs to be discussed every time these situations come up. And that's not being done. I know that's not being done. Right, right. Yeah. Even in our municipality where we are, again, so incredibly lucky to have such a pro- such a holistic program that is, is well-funded compared to many other municipalities, we still don't have know, a consensus among the, I'm just going to call it animal world of veterinarians, shelters, rescues, etc., to talk, to simply talk about trap neuter return. Right, exactly. That's, uh, you're right. I mean, that that's the problem. So for uh, your organization, um, you guys, if I remember, I read on your uh, website that you guys offer traps uh um, for a refundable fee, which most places, I mean, even, you know, the animal shelters, they, a lot of them ask for a deposit on the traps in case something okay. happens. Um, so on top of doing, uh, offering the traps and stuff, do you guys also help get the cats fixed and vaccinated or are so the... every, every cat that goes through, so when people contact us, we refer them to a clinic that is funded, um, by, municipality in part and to a large part it's funded by the municipality and then there's there's other funding from other um, organizations part of it is the pet fix program um, from the state license plate and then some some private donors some some 501c3 organizations that that aren't part of PAC Um, so they, they all go to that clinic so we're not involved with the clinical portion of it at all we we just coordinate resources for people as far as that goes okay so that would make sense however if if somebody does call us a lot of times what has ended up happening is that they'll tell us that they've got this this feral cat um and it's not handleable whose their leg is broken um and then we have taken on cases like that where we take possession of the cat um not that they're a car I don't, I don't know a better word I guess um 
guardianship would be a better word. Mm-hmm. We take guardianship of the cat and see them through the process and do basically go online and, and do a GoFundMe and, and beg for money for the to get the, the cat um, their light tricks, for instance, um, whatever that may entail, and going through a veterinarian that will at least provide us a discount. Um, and sometimes we've got they've got issues that we have to take them for a specialist school to uh, complete a procedure and we're paying full price and that gets quite costly and we fund quite quickly um, but we have gotten away from doing as much of that as we used to simply because we don't have the resources financially to, to do a lot of that and we don't have the the human volunteers that, that we need to to socialize or, or recover a cat that's not socialized. Um, there aren't a lot of people that are that are willing or, or able to do that. And not that it's that complicated. It, it really isn't. Um, it's daunting to a lot of people to have this creature in your house that's terrified of you and making you quite aware of the fact that they don't want you anywhere near them. But it's not that difficult cover them um, and I we've mentored many people through that process and they've gotten through the fine and the cat has either you know stayed completely feral and just gone right back outside or they've realized that the cat is hey they're, they're kind of semi-friendly and I, I sort of bonded with this cat so it's not something that you need to have any special qualifications to do you just have to be willing and um, unfortunately a lot of people aren't most of the people that are in any way associated with um, our little volunteer group or the larger 501c3 that we um, sort of work under already have a house full of animals that they've rescued. So it, it makes it difficult to, to continue to take on um, other animals from, that were, from colonies that we're not really associated with to recover. So that's a need that, that you know that is not being met is that that these these cats who get hit by a car or you know they get their leg broken or they have to have all their teeth removed or, or something like that 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 needs recovery or say you just get one that's dehydrated and needs to spend some time inside and kind of chilling out and, and getting their health back up to to where it should be before they go back outside. Um, there's not a lot of people that are are stepping up to do that. Yeah, because sometimes I, I can understand because feral cat could be a bit much to handle, especially if they decide to start bouncing around in your room. That could be interesting. Well, I mean, but they're in a kennel. They're they're in a kennel. You don't you you don't come in contact. You never come oh, in contact okay. with okay. them. Yeah. Okay. So so they're in a kennel that that gets draped with sheets so that you know they they feel more secure. We usually set up um, some kind of a shelf that we just tie into the kennel so they've got a place to, to get up and move around so they've got a little bit more vertical space. Um, and there's little rocks and food and, and some kind of a bed in there, and that's how they're maintained. You know, you, you get some tongs, you pull their, their food and water bowls out, you put them back in. Um, the litter box is by the door, so you pull that out without them really bothering you. And so usually what happens... There's also something called a feral den that we can put in there too. So the cat literally has some place to hide within the kennel if they want to. Usually they, they go into that when are doing anything in there. So hmm. it's, it's not as scary as it, as it sounds. I mean, 
mean, they, they might make some noise. They'll let you know, hey, don't come near me. But right. they're not they're not like the cartoons where they're, they're, <laughs> they're going after you. They're not going to come running out and attack you. <laughs> yeah, no. That, that doesn't. I've never had that happen personally. I don't, I don't know that that's ever happened. Um, I know there's some people that have done some foolish things, like tried to stick their their hand in a trap before because right. they think a cat is friendly and, and we always you know give instructions once you've trapped a cat your hands don't go in the trap at all ever right you think they're your next door neighbors you don't you don't do that to a cornered animal because even if they're they're socialized and they're they're very friendly they can they can turn on you if they feel threatened right exactly so yeah you, you, you've just got to give them the respect that that they need and yeah, we used to tame, when we'd get like the kittens and stuff up to a certain age, uh, myself and the volunteers would kind of work with them to get them tamed down so we could adopt them out into homes, but um, I had a, a, a cage that was set up so I could actually release the cat from the live trap into a chute that put them into the, the kennel, yep. and then I could just exactly. shut that door, that guillotine door down, so... Um, yeah. yeah, you don't really have contact with the cat at all. And then I could just shoo him back into, we had like a, like I said, it was like a chute with, you know, it was a, it was actually like an old milk crate that we modified to make like a little chute that the cat trap right. would fit in. And it had the cover and everything on it, you know, so you could actually right. get the cat back into there when you needed to clean the kennel and take the litter and stuff out. Yep. So it yep. was a good, a nice little setup. I mean, you never really had yep. to have any contact with the feral cat, so. Right. Right, that's generally how it works. Yeah, so um, it's it really isn't as as difficult as some people think it is. So, um, no, do you guys provide food and shelters for the cats as well, or is that something that there's another service that does that kind uh, uh, provides our, that type of stuff? Our particular our particular volunteer group strictly focuses on loaning traps and um, doing limited transportation and assisted trapping. We, like I said, we're completely unfunded. We're just a few volunteers. Um, so we don't have the resources to provide food or, or shelter or, or anything like that. Um, we have in the past when we've gotten donations, you know, certainly made shelters, made winter shelters available for people or, or medicine or, or like lysine, um, which isn't really medicine, it's an amino acid, it's a food supplement. Um, things like that we've, we've done here and there when, when we've gotten the funding, but again, we're, we don't, we just don't have the, the manpower to have a fundraiser or, mm-hmm. or have, you know, somebody fundraising actively because we're fielding calls about cats and trying to, to manage uh, our our trap bank. There's a larger organization in town um, that is a 501c3 and they, they do have some funding and they, they do help out with um, with food um, and they are in constant need of, <laughs> of donations. Um, so I don't know that I want to mention them because generally when I mention them more people ask for help than offer it. So, <laughs> um, they, they are hugely appreciated. We would not be here without them, um, without their mentorship, without their owning us a huge bank of traps, which we then own up to the public. Um, we wouldn't exist. And everybody that, that knows our organization knows what we're talking about. Um, but again, I, the, 
they're stretched very thin because they do so much um, for the community and I don't I don't want to mention them because I don't want even more <laughs> I think I know who you're talking about. They're pretty well known if that's the same group. Yeah, so it's, it's sort of a... The, the woman behind that, that organization is is the reason the Trap Nigger Return exists in Tucson. She's been the driving force behind it for, for decades, and without her, I, Tucson would not... Tucson and Pima County would not be where they are with, with Trap Nigger Return. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm extremely grateful to her. Right, I know, and there's I know there's a couple different resources out there that um, do like the pet food and stuff like that, and um, yeah, they can be discriminatory though um, about right. cats. Yeah. Um, so I and I don't mind admitting I've told clients to just lie and say they're getting food for their their own cat. Now, if I if I refer somebody to go get food from a pet pantry or something like that, or somebody, one of the organizations that's, that's handing out pet food, I make sure that person has trap food returned or is in the process of trap food returning all of the cats in their colony so that they're not just perpetuating the cycle of more and more cats that they're feeding and eating more and more food for. Right, exactly, because, yeah, that's the whole point of your organization is to, you know, get more cats fixed so that this no, there's not as many out there. So Right, and, and that's the, the pet food pantries and the, the groups and organizations that are, that are donating food and handing food out to people right now, they, too, should be talking about, okay, is, is your dog or cat spayed or neutered? Um, are they living outside? Are, you know, that kind of a thing. Are you seeing others around? They should be talking to them about that and letting them know that trap neuter return exists, so that they're not in this perpetual cycle of trying to support these animals that continue to reproduce without any end in sight. Right. Exactly. Because there's a solution, and if people don't talk about it, then they're not going to know about it. Right. And um, as for like cat shelters and stuff, and. You know, I've seen a lot of the posts and stuff like that where you can take, like, the um, the coolers, the styrofoam coolers, and make little cat right. shelters and stuff out of them, you know, for the cats and stuff. So, right. And those are fairly inexpensive, and that's a fairly inexpensive little way for you to give a little home to a cat that might be in need of getting in out of the weather and stuff. So, um, Yeah, we've got an entire page on our website. Actually, we've got several pages on our website about how to make... Um, community cat shelters very inexpensively right so hopefully anybody that's interested in doing this stuff you'll you'll go to um the tucson feral trap neuter return page and uh take a look at some of the information they've got up there i know i was looking at some of the information you do have quite a bit of information up there on your pages for people so um very helpful page to go to if you're interested in doing this kind of stuff um just we real. don't have a lot of our own content on there. I think there's one page that's, that's entirely our own content supplied specifically to our demographic area. Um, I borrow quite heavily linking to Alley Cat Alley's resources and Neighborhood Cat and uh, national organizations like that that already have their websites set up with, with info, so I'm not right. reinventing the wheel. 
Well, yeah, no, exactly. But at least you, you're putting that information, you know, those links on your page so that people can go see that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, so. yeah, we've, we've, got, we've got it organized so that people can go find resources where, where they can for, for what they need. Right. Um, real quick, because I want to I wanna talk a little bit about uh, the ways to tell a, a colony cat. Well, let's just say, what is the way to tell a colony cat from, like, someone's indoor-outdoor house cat? Um, I know, like, a lot of times here, we were doing an, an ear tip. Uh, is that generally what you guys do or have done up there in Tucson as well and a lot of the other places that you know of are doing, like, an ear tip? In our in Pima County, yes, every cat that goes through the, through the community cat program gets, gets an ear tip. Um, I know some people who have kittens that they are trying to, that their intention is to adopt out afterwards will ask not to be ear tipped, but I don't think that is appropriate. Um, there are lots and lots of cats that are up for adoption all across the country that have ear tips. That does not in any way indicate that they are unsocialized. All it indicates is that they are sterilized. So it has not been a deterrent for people adopting the cats. If anything, it's been a helpful marketing tool, if you will, so that people know what trap neuter return it um they know that cat was found out outside and they went through a community sterilization program and obviously if they're up for adoption then they're socialized and ready for an indoor home um but as far as determining whether or not a cat is owned or unowned there are lots of you can go by, but you can never really be 100% sure um, until you've you've trapped them and given them a few days to calm down. Um, obviously, if a cat's rubbing up against your legs and meowing at you, even if they back off when you try and, and reach down to pet them, they're not feral. They, they were probably somebody's pet at one point. It's not still someone's pet who just happens to be outside. Um, if the cat never approaches you and runs every time you look at them, chances are they're, they're probably a feral cat. But there's not there's not an easy way to gauge whether or not they're feral, you know, what, on, where on the continuum of feral versus social they are. All, all you can definitely tell for sure is whether or not they've got an ear tip. So if they don't have an ear tip, we always assume they need to be sterilized. So if I've got a cat that wanders onto my property and doesn't have an ear tip, they, they get trapped. I don't try and, and touch them and pick them up to see if they're social. They, I just, they get trapped immediately and they go to the vet. If they're meowing at me the entire time in the car and rubbing their face up against the, the trap, like, you know, like they would, the corner of a piece of furniture, then there's a pretty good chance that they're they're friendly. And afterwards, I after they get sterilized, I will try and uh, find them a home and continue the socialization process if, if they're at all skittish with me. Uh, but you don't have to do that. You you can just put them back outside, even if they seem friendly, and, and they'll be okay. In fact, there's an entire movement called return to field that the shelters are engaging in their version of trap neuter return because these studies have shown that the cats have a highest chance of getting back to where they came from if they are lost for instance if 
if you put them back where they were rather than putting them in a shelter because once they get to that shelter, it's, their chances of, of being reunited with their owners is, is very, very slim if they're not microchipped. So return to field is the, um, the latest incarnation of trap neuter return or continuation, I should say. So, now I just lost my train of thought of what I was going to uh, ask about. Uh, I know it was something to do with that. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I'm sorry, I forgot, I remembered it. So, uh, back when we were, the Humane Society that we have here in Cochise County was, uh, they do kind of a, or they were doing, I don't know if they are anymore, a trap, neuter, return type of program. They worked with the sheriff's department, and basically it was worked out that um, they would have their cats' ears tipped to show that they had, you know, they were part of a feral colony that had been fixed that lived here in Cochise County. So that's how. Uh, and then we were supposed to call, you know, when we picked up those type those cats that had those tipped ears and stuff, and and see if it was one that belonged to one of their colonies. So that was a way for them to mark. And I know some places. Uh, talked about or maybe did like a little small tattoo in the year and stuff too so um that used to be something that, that places tried um i i think most places got away from that because you can't readily tell from far away if the cat is tattooed right your tip is something that's usually easily distinguishable by looking at the at the cat it's supposed to be done on the cat's left ear okay um and, and all that means, though, is that the cat has been sterilized. Right. Um, people may assign other meanings to it. Um, you know, if you've got a small town and you're only doing that with a, a particular type of population of cats, then, then you may be able to assign other meaning to it. But, but truly, the only thing that your tip means is that the cat has been sterilized. Okay. Yeah, it, it doesn't signify anything about how social they are, right. how feral they are, where they live. They, it just means they've been sterilized. Right. That was a way for us to know that that was, you know, a feral cat that had been fixed by the Humane Society, and that we knew at that point that we should probably call them. So, um, it kind of helped, I guess, when we got those cats trapped and brought in. That we knew. Yeah, you know. yeah. So people, people should be. That, and that's what we try and explain to people too. Whenever we trap, is if you trap a cat, then you want it. And, and a lot of it is done in the evening because it's so hot here during the day. Right. So I'll make a point of telling people, hey, um, shine a flashlight into the trap and, and check for an ear tip because you don't want them to make an unnecessary trip to the vet, which is stressful on them that they they don't need to make otherwise. Yeah. Exactly. So, with uh, your organization, do you guys offer any types of educational programs, or uh, what is your main means of, like, trying to help people out and educate them about Trap New to Return? Or do you get a lot of phone calls and emails that you reply to or talk to people and just, you know... Uh, yeah, people contact us. They'll, they'll text messages, they'll call us, they'll email us, and I respond to every single call and take it on a case-by-case basis and go through whatever questions they have and give them all the knowledge that they need for their particular situation. 
And then, of course, you have information as well, like we've already talked about on your on your page and on your website and stuff, and links to other places where they can find stuff. Um, I'm assuming that yeah. I'm assuming probably there, some of the bigger ones might even have like uh, educational video things and stuff on them that people could kind yeah, of look at. There's lots of, of YouTube videos out there um, from Alley Cat Allies and the Kitten Lady and Jackson Galaxy and Best Friends Animal Society um, about trap neuter return, about colony management. Right, right. So. Those would be some good resources to go take a look at if you guys are, you know, again, thinking of trying to start a, a feral cat colony and getting all your cats fixed and stuff. So it kind of gives you an idea of what you need to go through and what kind of steps and stuff to take to do that and get it done correctly. So um, now you've talked a little bit about uh, you, you and you have volunteers and stuff. So, and I know with COVID and everything going on, maybe not right now, but do you guys take uh, volunteers, or uh, and if so, what kind of what process would someone have to go through if they wanted to become a volunteer with you guys? Uh, that entirely depends on what they want to do. If they, we've got a lot of people that are willing to transport cats but not trap them. Uh, what we really need are people who are willing to to trap and transport. Uh, that's that's our greatest need, and they just need to to call me. <laughs> And I'll find out, you know, where their where their level of knowledge is as far as, I mean, if they've never trapped a cat before, then, then we're doing virtual mentoring right now with videos and, and phone calls. Hmm. Well, that's cool. So you have, a, like, a virtual mentoring. So if they get a hold of you, you guys just do, like, kind of like a live face chat or a live video call, and then you kind of walk them through setting up the traps and yeah. stuff? Oh, cool. Yeah, I send them videos, things like that. Um, and then there's there's very close communication so they'll they'll go to whatever site it is that they're going to be trapping at um and then they're in constant contact with me like okay i i found this one cat and they won't go into the trap now what do i do so then i i guide them and gradually they become more more knowledgeable about the different scenarios that they could possibly encounter and the different tick trips tips and tricks to get cats to go into traps um, when they won't readily do that. Um, and they become more adept at PNR over time with practice and mentoring. Right, right. Yeah, because a lot of people don't understand how to set up a live trap. I know I had to show many people how to do it <laughs> over the years. Yeah, so. we, we've got a video up on how to, how to set ours now um, so that we're not having to do in-person demos anymore. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, that's really all you need to do is just do a video, like you said, and put it up there because once people, one video and then people can just watch it because, yeah, it's not that hard yeah. to set the traps. So. Yeah, there's still quite a bit of information that I verbally go over the phone um, with because it's, it's not quite as easy as just setting the trap down and walking away. But um, Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you know, you need to know, you know, the the best times to place the trap, the placement of the trap, too, because... You know, there might be certain areas that the cat avoids and other areas it goes in more. You know, there is there is a little bit more to that than just setting it and walking away. You're, you're correct. you got to put a little thought into it. So, <laughs> and you got to know what to trap them with, too. That's the other thing. Yep. Sometimes they don't really go for the canned cat food and stuff like that. But a lot of times I found sardines really worked well. Yep. That's, that's one of our, that's in our arsenal. Yep. Exactly. 
And funny with dogs, it's liverwurst. Or, or canned cat food. If you're trying to trap a dog, canned cat food or liverwurst works great. <laughs> yeah, I have a dog that I rescued that I actually trapped with cat food. <laughs> yep. I'm telling you, they love that stuff. They'll go in a trap for it better than they will with a can of dog food in there. <laughs> yep. So, um, so donations, uh, like you were talking about. I know you. anybody in rescue knows that you, uh, you guys can always use monetary donations to help out with, like, some of that stuff that comes up unexpectedly, like you said, where you have an injured cat that you need to, you know, broken leg and stuff like that you need to fix. All right. Um, but besides the monetary donations, um, are there other things that you guys could use donated to you? And where can people either send the things, drop them off? Do you have an Amazon wish list? Um, what do you have set up? Um, we don't we don't buy a lot of, of supplies. Um because they, they just really aren't aren't necessary with what we are doing. Um, we can always use trap covers. So if people have old sheets that they want to donate that, that aren't heavily scented from laundry products, um, you know, we appreciate getting those, especially if you go ahead and cut them for us. <laughs> We've got a template on our Facebook page about, I think you put it up on our website too, um, about how to... Uh, just cut a sheet in several sections so that they're large enough to cover a trap. Um, that's something a lot of people that borrow traps from other places don't do for some reason. They don't cover the trap, and that's a huge part of trapping a cat is making sure that the trap is covered to minimize the stress to the cat. can't imagine how terrifying um, it is to be trapped and then transported to a, in a car probably for the first time in their life and to a very noisy vet clinic um, without a trap cover on. Um, so we try and donate trap covers to pack and bone out traps and to the clinic that does the surgeries because, they again, they get a lot of people arriving that haven't covered up their, their traps. Mm-hmm. Usually those are people who've gotten a trap from, they've rented one from the hardware store, they've, they've bought one of the chintzy traps from, one of the hardware stores that aren't the best to use because they could possibly collapse on the cat or the cats could get out of them easily. Yeah. So old, old flat sheets <laughs> that are cut into trap covers, those are something that we're, we're always in need of. Uh, pillowcases, hand towels for bedding for the traps, those that too we appreciate donations of. You know, I hope the people in Benson are listening to you needing uh, sheets and stuff like that. And probably, actually, wooden towels kind of work, too, if they're about that trap size. Uh, Most towels that I've seen, um, A, they're they're too heavy for the summer. And most of the year, it's too hot to use a towel to cover a trap. Temperature will elevate with stress anyway. And if it's already 110 degrees out and you're covering the trap with a towel, it's going to make it hotter for them so we try and, and stick with sheets okay. but the towels tend to cover um, the top third to two thirds of the trap and leaving the bottom third to two thirds exposed which isn't super helpful with calming them Okay. when a trap is completely covered they, they really calm down quite a bit more and it, it really reduces stress okay um, so if you because I used to when I uh, managed the shelter over there, I had a shed that was just packed full of like sheets and 
and yeah. a lot of sheets, blankets, towels. That's why I wanted to ask you about towels and stuff like that. I didn't know if you uh, would use those or not. So, yeah, we use we use the smaller towel. And if you want to donate bigger towels, we can certainly cut them up. But we use like hand towels to go inside the trap because the cats are in the trap for about thirty six hours. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes a little bit more than that once they're trapped, so they're not on bare wire. Right. Yeah, because the pads of their feet, it's not good for them. It hurts. Yeah, and I'm I'm not. A lot of the videos and and resources out there will tell you to just use newspaper, and I'm I'm just not comfortable doing that myself. I always put put pillowcases or towels in mm-hmm. because a lot of times what will happen is the cat gets angry that they're trapped, and they just wad the newspaper or shred it up and go corner, and it's, then they're laying on the wire. So. Right, I always try to throw a towel or or something or a pillowcase yeah. or something when I trap cats inside too. So, I understand yeah. how, what you're saying about that. That's a that's a good point. Well, that pretty much uh, takes care of all the questions and stuff I had. I think we've got a lot of information out there. Is there anything you feel that we've missed that you'd like to go over real quick? Um, I guess just that. We're not so much an organization as we are just a, a very small group of volunteers. Um, and and really, our, our main goal is to just get the word out about Trap Nerd Return and, and get traps loaned out. We I know um, every time we do an interview or put our information out to the public that we tend to get more requests for help than offering us. So I just want people to understand that we, we don't have a large resource of of people that are waiting to go out and trap for you. I, I wish that we did, but the reality is that it's, it's very difficult to get people to go out and do that. Um, it's difficult to get people to trap the cats that are on their own property. Even more difficult for me to find volunteers that will go trap cats on other properties. Right. Um, so we we have a, a very long wait list for that, as it is. So I, I'm unfortunately not really able to help um, with assisted trapping, but I can always loan people traps. Um, and there's lots of information. I'm happy to mentor anybody, even if you have a, have a hard trap that you got from a feed store. I'm, I'm happy to mentor you on, on trapping to return. Um, all you have to do is contact us. Um, and then the other thing is, I, I know I mentioned a few a few things that can go wrong with cats as far as their, their health and behaviors, but for the most part, community cats are, are pretty healthy and pretty, pretty darn strong and and in good shape. Um, they very rarely carry zoonotic disease. They don't pose a risk to public health. Um, and they're there. The fact is they're, they're there and they're not going away. And if, even if you don't like them and you don't want them there, the very best and most effective solution is trap to return. Right. And hopefully this uh, show will get more of that information out there for you guys so that people realize that you're you are a guy, you are just a small group and you're just trying to get the education out there and help people that want to actually do this on their own uh, but if you guys are interested in volunteering with these guys and maybe helping and assisting with some trapping uh, just give them a call or contact them email whatever um, I'm sure their contact info will be in, in those pages the links and stuff but uh yep. Just get in contact with them and let them know that you're willing to help out with the uh, trapping and stuff because it uh, sounds like they could really use it at this point since they have a really long waiting list. So um, if you guys are interested in doing that, get a hold of uh, Alex and uh, Trap 
or feral trap knew to return there in Tucson and help them out. Um, that pretty much, I think, takes care of our show for tonight. I really appreciate you coming on, Alex, and talking about, we'll call your, your, uh, you guys a group instead of an organization. Um, I, I really appreciate you coming on, though, and talking about your group and what you guys do and uh, helping get uh, the word out and some more education out about what Trap New to Return is because um, I actually did read about it quite a bit when it was coming out and read some of the research and stuff, and I really do think that it will work if people are willing to put in that time and energy um, to do it because... Um, the, the studies just back it. I mean, they really do back it, guys. Um, I know it's really. I, I, I've, I've heard people that really doubt it too, and I'm and I try to explain to them, no, you, you really need to check the research out because it's really there. It, it's working. So. Yeah. No. It. It definitely works. Yep. Yep. So hopefully. And thank you so much for having me. Oh well, I'm really glad that you were able to uh, come on with me and uh, share your wisdom and stuff and. Uh, like I said, I'm going to post links up to uh, Alex's uh, group's page, and uh, I'll also get some up there for um, Alley Cat Allies and stuff like that. So you guys can go check out those links and um, see, you know, if you want to get something like this going in your community. And again, it's really not that hard if you want to, if you need to get your people in your community involved. Uh, it's not that hard to call up and say, hey, you know, can you schedule a meeting with, I guess, whoever would be the one you need to talk to in your city council, maybe the mayor? Um, uh, yeah, Alley Cat Allies actually has an entire guide on their website on how to start a program like that. So they, they kind of, they, they really lay it out step by step, who to contact and, and what to talk about. Well, there you go then. So uh, go to Alley Cat Allies and take a look at that and, uh, they can help you get stuff set up, you know, between your vets and your municipalities and stuff like that. If you guys are interested in doing something like that. And, um, I hope y'all will be able to tune in in a couple weeks. Uh, we're going to have pinups for pit bulls on. I'm going to be talking with Jeff and we're going to learn all about pinups for pit. Uh, that's a tongue twister sometimes pinups for pit bulls. Um, what all the ladies are doing and posing as pinups with the pit bulls and their calendars and all sorts of the really cool charity stuff they do along with uh, BSL uh, they uh, go around and try to educate about breed specific legislation and stuff like that with uh, the pit bulls and stuff so a uh, really neat organization and they're going to join me on September 17th uh, and talk about their group and what all they do. I'm really looking forward to that one. And then I'm also going to have uh, October 1st um, some the Birds of Prey. We're going to have um, it is called Wild at if I can see here. Open this up here. Wild at Heart Owls is I think the uh, organization that's going to be on with me i probably shouldn't be saying that until i can actually look and see for sure but yep wild at the heart wild at heart owls there we go um they're going to join me on uh september or i'm sorry october 1st 
and we're going to talk about birds of prey and uh, I think that's going to be a pretty good podcast as well. So hopefully you guys will be able to stop back in and join me on September 17th and October 1st for those two podcasts. And again, I want to thank you, Alex, for joining me uh, on this podcast. And uh, getting... oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I enjoyed having you on, and and I got to learn a little bit more about trap neuter return and uh, some stuff I didn't know. So I'm really glad that uh, we were able to talk about this, and hopefully get some thank more you. people That's educated. Great. So, all right, everybody, uh, I would like to tell y'all good night. I hope y'all stay safe out there. And keep doing what you do and keep rescuing the animals and helping them out. It's much appreciated from those animals. So, again, I hope that you guys will be able to tune in in a couple weeks. And good night, everybody. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.